This week, we're talking about improvising in your games. How to come up with that name that's not something from pop culture that shouts out to your players that you haven't planned this section of the village. The little cheats and tips and things that you can do to make that just a little bit more seamless. We're also going to talk about knife level spells and why we think they need a bit of reimagining. Also, surprise guest halfway through. Welcome to We Speak Common. Are you ready now? I am. You are? <laughs> Made some nice noises? Uh-huh. Okay, well, look, we don't have tea, but we do have nice chilling water. So, mm, that's nice. we've got to be back at home to play D&D in less than 25 minutes. Uh, 25? No, less than 45 minutes. So The people must think that all we do is this podcast and play D&D, because one just feeds directly into the next. Yeah, that's not how it works. Basically, we, um, we in general, we play once a fortnight. Although I do have a weekly game going. Uh, you play another game monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've and then your game is hopefully going to start up again soon. Yeah, I've not actually... As, as much as I talk about DMing, I've not done it in ages. You haven't done it in ages, but that's not the point because you do a lot of the planning and stuff all the time because that's how you cope with the fact that you I haven't DMed at all. I don't even know if I remember how to, Ben. Oh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll well, be a nervous wreck. Only time will tell. But we, because, you know, we live quite far out. We're in a rural place. We have to we have to plan everything to be on the same day. Yeah. So we record on the day that we play uh-huh. because it just makes sense because we're all in the same place. Uh-huh. So. I had to get an MOT today, Ben. I might have not even made it here. Did it, did, was it okay? Did you pass? Well, I've got an advisory. Oh, what was it? Oh, wheel bearing. Oh, that's just, fine. Just another hundred quid down the old drain, and it. You know, your just, MOT cost you hundred quid. No, but the but the the, the subsequent yeah subsequent wheel bearing mm. will cost me about that. Well, I've got my my car insurance is due this coming week, and my vehicle tax is due at the end of the month. Oh. I'm off to New Zealand in four months. That's going to cost me a arm and a leg. To be fair, it's already cost me a arm and a leg, so I'm I'm, I'm on the back burner now, but. But you're really glad you clicked onto this podcast thus far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is how, uh, this is two men, just, uh-huh. uh, can we call them boys? Um, men. Just ben, we're men. Complaining yeah. about life. Ben, we're, we're manly. We're manly. Enough. I had quite a productive day today, actually, though, just while we're talking about life in general. Went to the gym. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I've been going four times a week. That's, a, you know, that's, that's a, a lot for me. Yeah, that's, a, you know, quite a, proud. a large amount, yeah. Um, did some cooking, did some some meal prep for Monday. Wow. Did my shop. That's nice. And now I'm here talking about Dungeons and Dragons. So, yeah. Life could, well, it certainly could be better. There's there's many, many problems. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> mate. But, um, Thank you. Cheers. You know, as it's going, it's not terrible. <laughs> Life could always be better, but it could also always be worse. That is very true, Ben. Um, that so, is very true. I really hope that we haven't just pushed someone over the edge. <laughs> They've just clicked away. They've gone, what? They've gone, life could be better. Enough is enough. I've had it. Okay, please, if you are uh, struggling, seek help and know that everything's okay because we're going to talk about a make-believe world where you can forget all of your problems and imagine that goblins are real. So wow. that that would be a problem. Just done some real psychoanalysis on myself and I think uh, I've just realised D&D is a very unhealthy hobby for me now. Um, what, really? And uh, I'm just escaping all my problems in real life. I disagree. So I I'm think, going to continue um, to do so for the well, foreseeable future. Obviously. I mean, other people use alcoholism, so mm-hmm. I mean, it's healthy in that sense. I think D&D is very healthy because I've, I have to stop worrying about the fact that I might lose a job in the next six months and uh, just get a 
worry about dragons. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> They're much less stressful. They are. They really are. Especially when you can't actually really die from them. Well, it does feel like you really die. Part of your salt goes when a character dies. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like a Horcrux. I, I know, I know. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I will whip myself with the cat nine tails for mentioning Harry Potter later. What's wrong with Harry Potter? Is this? Uh, is this? She's. Uh, she's. She, she's destroyed it, mate. Wizards shit on the floor and then apparate <laughs> it away. <laughs> Ever since that tweet, Harry Potter has been ruined for I me. I mean, by she, we're talking about J.K. Rowling, by of the course. way. Just, yeah, uh, the cat's uh, mother. FYI. Um, yeah. I mean. Ever I, since that tweet, it's I been ruined like for me. It. I mean, I enjoy it, but I, I think there's like better it. fantasy out there, namely the name of the wind. Is it one of the big three in it? You've got Harry, Harry Potter, Potter, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. They're the the key. Yeah, and then you've got then you've got the um, the ones the next level down are things like Narnia and and uh, the Golden Compass. Oh, look at me being a snob. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then we've got witches coming up there now. Oh, the witch is very good though. I, it, it I is, it's all very good. And then great. you've got I suppose Game of Thrones is up there as well. Game of Thrones has probably gone up to be one of the cornerstones because of the TV series being so popular. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah. as we said last week, D&D is becoming so much more mainstream. Everyone and their cousin seems to play D&D, except people that we know. So, <laughs> <laughs> excepting good old Kings Lynn. Look, every, look I, th- I just think there are more people out there, Ben, but it's just that, you know, we keep it on the down low. You know, it's like Fight Club, you just don't talk about <sighs> it. Don't talk about it, and, no. unless you're going on... BBC Radio Norfolk. Yeah. Or you run a podcast about it. Or you run a podcast about it. Yeah. I did write about this podcast in my uh, newspaper column the other other week. And apparently the uh, the editor was like... (laughs) Great. So <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care. You asked He's me to write it. it again. You asked me to write it. So here you go. Here's an advert for my podcast. <laughs> we know anyway, PR. We know PR. We do. And um, what are we talking about? Today, we're mate? talking about a couple of things today. One of them is a topic that someone suggested to me in the comments of one of our posts on Reddit, um, which I think is an interesting topic that. Um, we're either going to have a lot to say on or not a lot to mm. say on, but I think it's something that everybody will re- uh, uh, resonate with. And then you want to talk about spells again, don't you? Yeah, I do like spells. I like spells. Um, as they a wizard, are a fun aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Thus, I would like to uh, talk about communicate them. with you more about them verbally. Yep. Okay, so let's start with this. So, um, uh, user Maggie PK. Hi, Maggie. Uh, Maggie said. May I suggest improv techniques and cheats as a topic, especially as it pertains to creating NPCs on the fly. Mm -hmm. For example, this latest session that I had, my players took no interest in progressing the story and wanted to do some bounty hunts in a very small town that I had not planned more than a handful of NPCs for. uh, Maggie, welcome to our lives. (laughs) This is Dungeons and Dragons, Maggie. We've all been there. Um, (laughs) But my players really wanted to talk to everyone except those NPCs that I planned. So that's come with some people real quick wow Maggie's just like solidified our whole life journey in like four sentences that's pretty much Dungeons and Dragons isn't it yeah people never do what you want to do um so I have been here and I think we've all been at that point and I recently had it I think last last time we played when they go oh what's their name and I go uh, Bob Mm-hmm. Iger, Bob Iger, Spice, Bob Iger. Oh my goodness! <laughs> things, things like that. You know, when's Fantastic Four coming out, Bob? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a woodworker. <laughs> yeah, things like that. So you know, like you have that moment where you're like, oh bollocks! I need to come up with a name, and I don't know one. And you pull just something out of the hat, and it's usually mm. something really obvious that shows that you haven't planned well, it. Well, tip number one: have a list of names. Yes. So this, right? Okay. Here's the thing. There's going to be. Uh, I've thought about this. There's going to be a mix between. Here's what you do when you're caught off guard, 
and here's how you don't get caught off guard. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those things that you do to not be caught off guard. And in theory, it works really, really well. In practice, mm-hmm. I can never be asked to write a list of names. Yeah, I mean, I generally don't write a list. I, I get around this by over planning but what what i mean is that <laughs> you get around everything by overplanning no but so yes obviously the more you plan uh, the, the less more you, you know. less you have to make up yeah. uh, but that can create for some stagnant um environments npcs etc because yeah. sometimes when you're really coming up with it off the cuff it can just be a little bit more vibrant and be a lot more fun but what i mean by that is if you if you plan a lot i'm not going to say overplanning there is no such thing um, well and you spend a lot of time in your world either by running a lot of sessions in it, mm-hmm. thinking about it a lot mm-hmm. um, when you're at your desk at work. Um, <laughs> or, you know, just open up your Google Drive and talk, writing things while you're at work. Talking about uh, talking about your characters a lot on your own proprietary podcast that you run every week. Yeah. Do all those things and you'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, or, you know, do silly voices in the shower. All those things. The more time you spend in the world thinking about it, thinking about the cultures, the themes, the characters, the motivations, the flaws, everything. When... You then then need to pull a new pillar out of this world, a new aspect, whether it be a character, a place, a location, stat blocks for enemies, an encounter, whatever. You're going to have such a greater understanding of it. It comes a lot more naturally. That you're going to be able to do it. Mm. You know, I'm going to presume that after Tolkien spent many a year... tootling around in Middle Earth if you just said hey what would be some crazy person and you just pointed to somewhere on Middle Earth on the map that would live here he'd probably even if he's making it up on the spot have a good idea of what would make sense yeah because he spent so much time invested in that world yeah probably so I think that um, you know same as if you were to say hey old George Lucas what's an interesting person that would be on Tatooine here or whatever you know because he spent so much time thinking about it he probably knows even though he's maybe not thought about that exact aspect you're inquiring about he can come up with something that one is not going to break his world because this is my greatest fear is that I come up with something that is very incongruent Unwrites with everything. other rules in the world yeah. but now I've said it it's canon mm-hmm. I can't really change it because mm-hmm. for me I mean and technically yes you can change it you, you can put your hands up and say sorry like, that was guys, wrong that last session that wasn't actually a Dragonborn that was a Genasi because it turns out Dragonborns don't exist in my world I forgot um, bit <laughs> do of they su- not? bit of a silly one um, fun but no I mean but as an example no they do because I've played a Dragonborn in yes. your world so but what I'm saying is is that um you know, you can do that. That's fine. I don't like to do that because I, I, I like to challenge myself to keep everything consistent. Yes. You know, and I think... You want to make us believe that you know everything. Exactly. Yes. And I think over time, if you can create that illusion for the players, <laughs> it's, it, it has such a massive payoff. Yeah. Because, um, you know, they then begin to think you're a god. Question. Do you think Matt Mercer mm-hmm. actually knows everything I th- or he makes a lot of it up? I think he has extensive planning and detailing in his world i think a lot yeah and i think that sometimes he reveals for the for the comedic effect like when someone throws something really wacky at him like curveball and he just makes it up on the spot like sometimes it's almost fun if someone says like oh um i you know you said oh there's a few people there an old guy here blah, 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 and they go whoa okay i'll go and talk to the old guy what's his name it's almost fun to go like uh, okay this is jerome I've clearly just made this up. Thanks. Yeah, because you know, it makes yeah, for a comedic yeah. effect. Yeah. He does that sometimes, but part of me almost thinks he did he actually know what, did actually yeah. know that drone was there to begin with. Yeah. Also, I think that he's so meticulous at planning, and again, talk about making everything consistent, never cha- backtracking on stuff. Yeah, mm. making it all, and all he's canned. done this really well by like when players pull out 
And so he is really good at knowing his players and knowing what aspects of the world they will ask him. For instance, when oftentimes, oh, there was one time, I can't remember what episode it was, but they did this encounter and they decided they were going to ambush these uh, attackers in this certain point, right? Mm-hmm. And then he pulled out a map for it, for the like exact location they were at. And they were like, whoa. I remember ha- when like, was. They yeah, were like, I remember this. They were like, how did you know this was an eventual... Because like, yeah. it really wasn't expected. They were like, how many, how many maps did you make? Yeah, and he like, was like, oh, like three. Yeah, like for the, but it's like he knew that one of them was going to be... This. Now, my, uh, I think what he did is this was a very generic map that he managed to describe in a way that made it much more... Appealing. Appe- and a bit mu- more... Much more specific to this environment. yeah. yeah. But, there are tricks in it. But that there. illusion paid off so much that the players now just believe that he's planned everything. Mm. And what I think Let's he does. Let's not forget as well yeah. that it is literally his job to yeah. DM critical well, role. Well, exactly, yes. So, so he has a, a much greater vested interest. But I think because he's built up this illusion and the players trust him to just know everything so much that when they ask him something odd and he's like, okay, one second, he's flicking through some notes. Sometimes I think he knows he's got no notes on this. But he's, he's just flicking through them. In, in, like, the and he makes up something. But because it looks like he's just uh, looked up something he's already written in the past, it just yeah. strengthens that idea that he knows everything. And I think that's a really powerful position to be in as a DM. Do you and, do that? Uh, I've done that once. Really? Once, yeah. Can I know what for? Uh, let me think about the, the details of what it was. Was it I something think, off the cuff or was it... It was off the cuff. Uh, it was in the city somewhere where you did it with an M... Long Is time it, ago, then. Yeah, it was like something with an NPC. That, really, but on the past, like ten sessions, because things I've I've just known a lot more what what you guys are going to be exploring. Yeah, but it's really hard in the sea because mm. you, you go anywhere. There's so much in such a short distance to you. Yeah, that you can. Um, you know, we spoke about it a few a few episodes ago about city planning, mm-hmm. and I think it was a certain NPC or an item. It might have been an item actually. I just made up some history off on the floor, and I was like, and I, oh, was it was it the uh, the old man's cane? That was actually a sword that you got for being a no, 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 no. I had that planned because okay. I, I love that item. Yeah. I think it was some of the notes that were in... Um, the guy took Erebus's horns. Yes. His, you stole his notebook, yep. which I never thought you were going to do because you broke into the head of the Thieves Guild. <laughs> which you never thought we were going to do. I hadn't, it was so well defended apart from one area, which you just happened to... Clever ourselves around. Yeah, and yep. through some really excellent use of spells and mm-hmm. hijinks. Mm-hmm. This item should have never have been obtainable by you. <laughs> but then I thought, well, it would be in there. And then... Um, so I think... But I had some stuff. What helped me... It's because I knew what some stuff was in there. Yeah, I could infer what more details would be. Yeah, so there was like because I, I, I had like up, a page but... of stuff. And they're like, "Well, yeah, but it's a whole book." I flicked to another page, and I'm like, um... Um, "He's not got that far into the notebook yet." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's only he's just bought this notebook. Oh, now I've destroyed the illusion. Now you know it's all fake. No, um, no, no. But I mean, it's Dungeons and Dragons. I know yeah, it's all fake. So I think that's a what. What you can do is then when you start making stuff up after already having built up that trust with the players, they are mi- way more likely to believe anything you throw at them, mm. no matter how wacky. So when you pull old Bob Iger out of the bag, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, Bob. Yeah, it's Bob. He, he must have planned Bob like 15 sessions ago. He knows yeah. Bob. Yeah. yeah. You Bob. Know, this is Ben. who has been planning everything from day one. So, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Whereas it, um, if you don't build up that uh, illusion, if you will, the, the illusion of knowing everything... Um, then yeah, the players will probably recognise it's a, a complete improv. But that isn't also 
can be a stylistic choice. Another, mm. I like the DMs who just clearly make everything up on the fly mm. um, because you just never know what you're going to get. It makes for a really dynamic experience. What, out of interest, and I know we've gone off topic now, um, but what dynamic, what, what impression do I give? It depends on the game. Really? In uh, Waterdeep, I feel like you know everything. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Um, I think... In Estroff, you know a lot about some aspects of the world and not a lot about others. So yeah. you, you can tell when the improv comes out. And then we'll, and then if we go to a certain location and then you start dropping all these details, I'm like, oh, Ben's planned this area in detail. <laughs> oh, this session he planned. <laughs> oh, we've we've come across some of his main plot notes. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but is that detrimental to your enjoyment? No, no. Because I I. But what's interesting about Estroff is it's kind of similar to. Um, what we were talking about last episode with my world where you have these very populated areas and then the rest is quite and then, vast and then the world the air the, the the wild and these strange locations and ruins are very unexplored not just by the players but by but everyone. everyone in the world yeah so when you're making stuff up off the fly it doesn't feel incongruent with what the rest of the world knows or all this other stuff because none of the rest of the world or notes or plans factor into this in any way mm. and especially when you're pulling stuff in from other planes that no one's ever seen before mm. you can just completely make it up and it's perfectly congruent with the world and what mm. the players are experiencing that's interesting that's a nice insight uh, whereas like for instance if you were running like i don't know forgotten realms or whatever um and then you had some really detailed areas of forgotten realms but then like you'd all, all of a sudden start real really improving um and it was noticeable mm. like well this doesn't really make sense because i know forgotten realms is very detailed everywhere yeah uh and obviously, so you should know the answer. And obviously, as a DM, if you're just running your own game in Forgotten Realms, you don't have to know everything. No. But, especially in your game, like uh, in, in Dragon Heist, everything is so fleshed out to a T. Um, and I know, like, because when you... And what is... We were talking about creating that illusion of knowing mm. everything. Mm-hmm. It's like when, when when we first got our own, like, base of operations, and then you were naming every shop in that street, like, every single house mm. I was like whoa oh my goodness he knows everything <laughs> <laughs> it's was, so real can we take another detour to um, just bring up something that happened last time we played that I absolutely adored so we, I was running um, Dragon Heist and James who is a player in the game said to me beforehand basically um, J- James ran our starting uh, set from one to five and then I took over for Waterdeep and he's going to take over for another game but that means that my character is in Waterdeep but isn't really doing anything because he's a he's not a DMPC he's just kind of there if the players want to use him and you have they can and James said to me I want to give him a mission I want to run you a game at some point like one weekday night just to give him a little bit of something to do and I was like fine he said I'm going to turn up and give him a letter at some point and I'll just knock on the door when they're at home one day and I was like okay fine so there we were, sat around, and he just he just knocked on the door, and and suddenly he was DMing me. Yeah, I mean, literally, let me describe this. Ben's like <laughs> describing a scene, and then James is a player in this scene. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's like, "Okay, you hear a knock at the door." I'm like, well, "How do you know that?" Well, no, James? He, he actually yeah. knocked yeah, on the yeah, door. Yeah, like like. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, "What's going on here?" And he's like, okay, there's a knock at the door. And I'm like, well, well the DM would say if there's a knock at the door, James. <laughs> Stay in your lane, mate. And then, and then Ben was like... You, you went over to open the door. And then Ben was like, there's, there's a knock at the door, okay. And I'm like, oh, I'll go and open the door. And then and then James started describing the scenario. I'm like, what's going on here? And, and, then, and then I had two DMs. I didn't know where to turn. And what this was is going on? I looked over um, to you and Phoebe, and you literally went... 
Who's who's DMing? <laughs> Are they both DMing? <laughs> and, and James was DMing, and then all of a sudden Ben was DMing again. It was a magical experience. Yeah, and so so James delivered this this letter to my character, and then that part of James DMing went away. And oh, that was so seamless though. Oh, it was so, so good, seamless. and we didn't plan it. He just said, "I'll knock on the door at some point," and I was like, "Okay, Honestly, fine." The mix of like just you know. One DM subsided and the other one came up and then it was like reversed. It and was this just, is, oh, this is it was what great. James and I have been working on for a long time is is mixing our roles together so that when we get to the climax, which is, and I'm, I'm not going to spoil too much, but all of our campaigns are going to collide, Joseph. My goodness. Um, when we get to that climax, we are going to literally DM together. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, and I cannot. It's been a. I imagine you. I just imagine you're like the uh, two-headed uh, pod racing presenter. Yes, in literally, literally, that's what it's going to be like <laughs> it, with the voice and everything. Um, but but then later on, Orlo, my character, who well, while I was DMing, was in a situation where suddenly, uh he could ask some questions to help him in his what was in that letter to this character who was being played by another player so he did and then James suddenly went oh yeah you'd uh, yeah you'd know the answer to that <laughs> and I was and it's like oh he's back <laughs> it was a lot of fun um, and it, what was what was very uh, what paid off for me mm-hmm. was the fact that I think I did through that myself and James delivered a new experience to you mm, it was cool and it was very really it made Orlo which is your character very realistic because you're playing him as a DM NPC mm. but with the knowledge of a player because all of his details residing to his personal story you don't actually know James knows yeah and then James is obviously very good at segregating that from his own player because obviously yeah. he's not metering in any way with these extra details that which he, is, he knows which is what I had to do in the starter set and what I have to do playing in my descent game which is connected in some form yeah so, so it's a yeah it's a skill to not meta and cross these streams of information the streams, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a lot of fun and um, I just I had to I thought it's worth talking about because it was uh, well, it was a fun experience yeah a fun experience so anyway back to improvisation um, a list of names is good and what I will do if I haven't written one oh look we've gone full circle mm-hmm. <laughs> it took us 20 minutes we got there it's like poetry um, I will <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull out uh, Xanifer's guide and I'll go to the back of Xanifer's. So if you ask me a question about a person, I go, yeah, yeah, keep talking, keep talking. And I pull out Xanifer's. It's because I've gone to the list of names mm. at the back. This podcast is actually an improvisation. Completely. We don't know what we're going to say. We know what we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. but not what we're going to say about those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like most conversations. Or is it meticulously planned and everything is scripted? Have we scripted to the T every time we interrupt each other? Yes. No. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't. Okay, so so what else when you're improvising? Because it's not just NPCs and names. It's like um, there's oh, there's that go-to. We'll use Critical Role as an example again because we already have. When they ask him the name of a book and he's like, what's this book called? What's it about? And you have to then come up with something. Now, I have made a list of book names for in-universe. Uh, I do have that. That's a thing that I... Because I know that that's something that's going to come up. Because um, your character's a bard, and that oh, I've had to make a list of godly tales. I like that. that. That anyone could espouse, including your character, at any time. Which I cannot wait to get handed to me on a 25-page document. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of fun to... That's going to be my bedtime reading for the next few weeks. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm fully ready for it. I'm like, I want to be the perfect player. I get pretty wild. It's <laughs> <laughs> exciting. Um, what else do we improvise on? I don't know. I mean, Well, I think that uh, having a strong understanding of the wider location not necessarily the details so 
for instance, if you're in a town, you okay, how big is this town? Roughly how many people do I think are in here? Okay, okay, there's like 500 people in this small village slash town. Um, is that enough for a for a blacksmith or an inn or whatever? You know, decide what what works in your world, what the rules of your world are, and then make it quite consistent. So then you can, when someone says, "Oh, is this here or is this here?" You can say yes or no. Understand what the people are like, uh, what kind of the races are made up of, so you can chuck it in there. Like for instance, you think, okay. I know beforehand this town's mostly human, but there's a, a few halflings there. And the reason they're there is because this town, like hundreds of years ago, actually used to be a halfling village. That's mm. kind of, but the demographics have sort of shifted. Um, so then when you play, oh, I want to go see a blacksmith, you're like, okay, this is a bit unique. This is an opportunity for me to chuck in a halfling. Okay, there's a halfling blacksmith there. Um, and then they can, oh, that's a bit interesting. We haven't seen a halfling in a while. And bearing in mind, you're making all this up and you'd be like, okay, this is giving me an opportunity because maybe the halfling can kind of espouse a little bit about the history. Maybe yeah. the halfling can say, oh, yeah, this blacksmith's been here for hundreds of years. It's actually like the first building we built here yeah. when we found out there was a lot of minerals nearby. Um, and you're like, oh, this is a halfling village. So you've, al- you've allowed yourself for an improvised new character that you hadn't planned to espouse some exposition about the world give things a bit of history, um, a bit of sort of grit, really, mm-hmm. and texture. Um, and then when it turn, And then I think you can also use that to make new stuff that then can become part of the history, you know? And But again, you, you just got to think for a second bef- before you speak, you know? <laughs> yes. And it's like... Um, There's like that, that pressure to, to rush it out of your mouth as if you yeah, just know it off yeah, the top of your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then... And Ignore to make, that pressure. And to make things like cooler than they need to be or whatever you know um mm. and it's like for instance it's very easy to be um like, okay he's a cool blacksmith yeah and he's um yeah he's got this flame tongue hammer yeah. it's on fire and, it's, and it does 65 yeah. damage and if you thought about this before you would have thought well i don't really want to give him yeah that's a cool item but it doesn't really make sense for this just standard blacksmith to have it and you know, mm-hmm. and maybe the players, and then before you know it, the they players have robbed it, this flame tongue hammer. And they've your cool halfling. Yeah. yeah. But, and they're never going to go back to the village. Alternatively, if you're happy to play this risky game, you can maybe think, oh man, and then after the session you're like, I've just made this like crazy powerful blacksmith that mm. it doesn't really make sense for him to be that powerful. And then you have to go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, I've made it now. Now I need to justify why is this powerful. So maybe Which you give can him be an, fun. Maybe you give him this epic backstory now. And now you've ha- got this from a, a, a quick improvisation in the game. You've now got this major character. Mm. That's how a lot of characters come to be is just through random improvisations. and things. The yeah. one I had, um, which, re- uh, which gave me a massive opportunity to do uh, a fun lore dump and a bit of a, sh- a um, foreshadowing of what the players were going to experience is when you went to that brothel in the city... And I, don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Benjamin. I don't know what you're talking about. Benjamin. I don't remember that at all. Well, uh, anyway, your characters went to a brothel, and there was a, uh, a Northman there, a guy, um, a... a a prostitute, if you will, and he, <laughs> a gigolo, a gigolo, <laughs> a man of the night, <laughs> yes. And uh, oh, but he dear. was completely tatted up from head to toe with all these runic symbols and everything, right? Yeah. And you don't you know, judge him for so, his tattoos. For all of a sudden, you guys were okay. That's kind of interesting. And so one of the characters didn't we ask him where he where, where yeah, he was so sentenced? The, so the wizard went and found out. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Azkaban. <laughs> <laughs> the wizard went and found out. 
about uh, a little bit about these tattoos and about this character's history. Mm. And uh, he had a bit of a funny accent, which, uh, again, was a little foreshadowing of some of the culture you were going to experience as you moved north. I think this was even before you knew you were going to move north. Yeah. I knew this quest was about to come up. And so I, he said, gave a little bit about the history, about what... The, because they're all religious symbols as well, about what the religion means. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, like a teardrop is for the god of death. I didn't pl- ever plan for this character. <laughs> He's not that emo. He's just not that. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's based on like Thor and. and, and I know, and, I know, I know. You know, it's cooler than that, Ben. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm um, sorry. So. But I didn't plan for this character to be there. I just thought, okay, you're in this brothel. I think you're there for some other reason. And you're like, okay, um, let's have a look at the talent, shall we? And I was like, how do I make this interesting? You know, and so I pulled... I, but because I'd spent so much time recently planning that sort of more Norse-themed adventure, I had that a lot... That was filling up a lot of my headspace at the time. Mm-hmm. So I just pulled those elements together and created a character on the spot... And but because I'd used those elements that were then coming up, it, it was a great opportunity for me to to foreshadow things you were about to experience through these characters' experiences. And so that was just uh, an example of how using improv. I didn't plan for that to happen, but because I'd spent some time in my own world in my head, um, I could pull some elements together that made sense. Now I could have just as easily done some really wacky stuff, but then what would have probably happened is I would have had to have gone away after the session and then justified that with the rest of the stuff going on in my world. Yeah. Now, now you don't necessarily have to do that, but for me, it allows me to maintain continuity and uh, a cohesiveness to everything. Mm-hmm. But I think while it doesn't come up every session and you players don't really mention it, it has a bit of a subconscious effect of making the world more tangible when okay. everything's a bit more cohesive. Um, so that's why I like to, after the fact, think about the things that have happened in the session, especially stuff I haven't planned, and if I've brought new elements, NPCs, etc., pulled them together and think, okay, does this all still make sense in my world with the rules I've created? Do I, I like... need to add or change anything to to keep it nice and cohesive? Yeah, I like to look at it as problem solving. It's mm-hmm. like a, an interesting kind of little game for yourself afterwards like i've made this thing how do i make it fit or or i've made this thing is there anything new i can do with it it gives you something to work on it because i often find you can finish a a session and you can sit down you go i don't really know what to where to go from here but you can look at that thing that you improvised and maybe go from there yeah um what i would say is um, if you're doing that if you improvise something and you make that character and it's meaningful and it's not just a five minute interaction for someone wants to buy something so you make up a random blacksmith and they buy something and that's it Mm note it down write it down have it in your notes and and use it that would be my tip and trick so just to to reiterate before we go on to the spells it's you know there are no cheats you kind of either plan or you don't um the cheat is if you know your world it gets easier and you do it more Mm. over time but um just take a minute before you say what you say that's that's the real tip i think Mm -hmm. yeah i think that and especially when you can come up with some interesting stuff when you do go a bit off the wall. Again, there, there is that such desire just to make something cool or different, you know, mm. when you're improvising it and you just say something without really thinking about it. Then you get to the end of the session and you're like, why did that guy have six eyes? Why <laughs> Why did I give him five arms? Why did that innkeeper have six eyes? I really need to think about that now because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, make sure you noted that one down. You know, and you're like, well, he's actually crossed with... Um, he's a Spider-Man. He's a he, he's, he's Spider-Man. A, he's a Spider-Man. He's a uh, he's a wear spider. 
he's he's stuck in mid transformation. <laughs> that's <laughs> he's a druid that can't change form. Yes. Yeah. That's it. That could be quite cool. Yeah. And you've just made him much more interesting than perhaps he would have normally been. Okay, so let's talk about spells. Uh, we have been joined mm-hmm. by an otherworldly presence. The power of editing. The power of editing. Um, Wesley, hello. Hello. Uh, Very now, suddenly joined. Yeah, you're on a, you're on a, you're sitting next to Joe. I apologise. You're on a directional mic, so excuse me. I know, I know. So you've got to share a microphone. So it might be a bit. Hang on, let's do a little bit. Yeah, Joe's just knocking me over. Let's just, just yeah, move just, over, just, muscle man. I just, I just, I just get... <laughs> okay. So, um, as we said, I think, I don't know if we said it in the episode from last week or this week, but we, we plan all of our uh, recordings to be before the game. So Wesley's here to, to get ready to go and play after we finish recording. Um, Exciting. Introduce yourself. <laughs> Who are you? Oh, hello. I'm Wesley. Um, I play in these guys' games and get uh, played around with, like, a rag doll occasionally. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> See, Wes, now, you um, have been mentioned on the podcast numerous times yeah. during, during conversations. Actually, I think you featured last week on a phone call. So there's Not like, last week, week before. Oh, yeah. So yeah. there's numerous lore already about you, Wesley. And oh, dear. You're, yeah. a, you're so an enigma. What you, you should do, what you should do is tell us your character names, because people will know them more than your actual name okay uh, so we've got Isa yep wizard we've, uh, no. No, no, no sorcerer that's the sorcerer. sorcerer we've got Ayara which was the wizard wizard right then we have uh, Brom yep. I'm really enjoying playing Brom. right now oh, oh it's about to change later today <laughs> oh exciting <laughs> um, druid I'm completely blanking now you've got Drell from the because uh, you're in the Bob. descent game that I'm yep. in yep loving that one mm-hmm. um is that all of them? I oh, think, I think that's the main ones at the moment. And what we were just talking about with that guy in the the brothel, uh, that was um, Wesley's yes. character Ayara, who was the one who was talking to them, yes. getting that yes. information about yes. the, about the tattoos. Fine, see, it's all full circle, Ben. Full circle, poetry, poetry, yeah. poetry. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. I just like asking about the numerous things that I see, and it's so like, oh, that's why you're a wonderful. <laughs> and this is the thing as well, because it, we've we've mentioned it a, a number of times, and I'm I'm going to apologise again that the quality is going to be different now because we we were on a two person setup and we've just randomly brought a third one in. But um, we've mentioned before that your play style is very much. Uh, you're you're very secretive with your your backstory and your information, and and at times it's really frustrating because we're like we want more, tell us more. But then at other times it's very rewarding because we feel like we earn it. And I just wondered what your what your your thinking behind that is. My overall thoughts of that on. I feel like a lot of characters won't just reveal that very suddenly. It's something close to them, like you know everybody has their own secrets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when it's so personal, it's harder to actually give it to somebody else. Um, and I try and give that as a parallel to a character, depending on how reserved they are. Brom, for instance, he's he's just going to tell you everything that he knows. And that's very rewarding for me <laughs> as a DM. It's a lot of fun. Um, but another character like Drell or Isa or Yara, all three actually, are a lot more reserved mm. about what they actually have and what secrets they want to tell because... Mm. They have to trust the people around them. And then they usually end up targeting one person in the group and then shoving a loads of information on them. <laughs> yeah. And then being like, don't tell anyone. <laughs> Keep that secret to your grave. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it creates for some uh, interesting... Well, this is why you have so many in-the-party dynamics and a lot of our sessions just made up of the party arguing and talking to each other. He's not always arguing. It's, it's, it's mostly arguing. It's mostly <laughs> arguing. <laughs> because a lot of the players know things that other characters don't and then we've got lots of kind of secret... Uh, tied between we different characters. We should say characters. as well, it's it's enjoyed arguing. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we, I love yes, it. I mean it's it's why we do it every session basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's fun because um, yeah, because of how our players at the table specifically 
bring certain aspects of their characters out at certain moments and it's generally not to the whole party mm-hmm. you have it's kind of difficult to almost keep track of who knows what at what point because yeah. there's so many different strands yeah, it becomes, of information difficult yeah. to not meta game doesn't it yeah but i think i think that's why we're I, very I good i simultaneously it. love that dynamic though it's so good just to be you know having that mm-hmm. area and you're constantly thinking about things looking to other people and it's like <gasps> and then you have other people around the table who see a conversation going on it's getting heated and everyone's staring and just going whoa <laughs> what's, what's why is this happening yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um joe you don't know this but wesley and i uh like, during the week we played our descent game and we had a very heated interaction we didn't did. we did didn't we, we? um oh, wesley, apologized wesley's later. character is drell my character is clath um mine is uh warlocked to, to a devil we are now in hell and well wesley got buddy with a demon and i'm very happy about it and uh well, we, we we came to blows almost, didn't we? Were you jealous? Jealous of the demon? Yeah, clearly. No, I'm just he's, I'm just he's sick a devil of worshiper, I'm, not, I'm just so. I'm just sick <laughs> of his uh, hypocrisy and the fact that he he has a go at me for doing deals with devils and then goes and talks to pure chaos. And then your character tries to like. I tried to show him the blood war by happening. By pushing no, him over a hole on a feet. bridge yeah. to his I, doom when I'm, he has a fear of heights. No, I'm with the, I'm with Drell on this one because with a demon, you know what you're getting. You know you're getting pure chaos. Right. You right. know you can't trust them in any way. You, they, you know they just want to rip your head off as much as anyone else. Mm-hmm. But with a devil, they're just they're liars. That's they're why bastards. it's more fun. That's why it's more fun. No, I see. It's much better to trust a demon I'm than it is a devil. Evil, I mean, right? I mean, I mean, Clath is evil. But I have written you a letter, which you'll get later. Ooh. So, um, but you can't open it until I give it to you in game. Is it strongly worded? Uh, it is very strongly <laughs> worded. A letter <laughs> in hell. <laughs> yeah, because we're going to take a rest in that chapel, aren't we? Right. So I've written you a letter. Oh. It'll all make sense in the game. But yeah, so, you know, a lot of that happens all the time. Ben, I just wanted to bring up this spell thing. Yeah, quick. we do need to talk about these spells. Now, uh, we were talking, what was it, the other day? Uh, about It was more than three weeks. It was I like a month ago. I don't, know, I don't know what time is. Episode anymore. 70 was about my crafting spell rules, and we were talking about spells. Yes, because we were talking about how Dance Macabre kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, it needs a bit of a power bump. And it, it inflavorably... Flavorably... Flavor of leaf, right? Uh, it's, you it having looks, a stroke. <laughs> uh, it looks <laughs> like a really good spell when you read it, but it just—it's just not. It has a lot of flavor. It's not it has good a lot spell. Of pizzazz, it's not good. From a power point of view, there are better options, namely animate objects. Yeah, yeah. but. What, what oh, flavor? Right, yes. Come, yes, I'm going for the flavor spell. That's that's what's happening. Yes, As a player, I see what you're saying, Wesley. But we cool. want to win, okay? We want to win. This is what I was saying with with Witch Bolt, though. Flavor was a, is it's like the the image in my mind is incredible of this like calling down lightning and sending it out every round. But mechanically, it's just so weak. Mm-hmm. So but it's cool. That's <laughs> what. But, but that is where the the spellcrafting rule set came from from the fact that there's these spells that I would love but I just want to change them a little bit but I I was thinking about this and specifically necromancy I think gets short end of the stick on a lot of these spells I agree Um, and I was looking at the ninth level spells there's not a good necromancy one there's astral projection which is necromancy but again it's not really it's not really necromancy is it not not really Um, it's a bit of an odd choice that they pick that one Um, so I'm thinking I want a ninth level spell that lets me animate a lot of stuff a horde a lot of stuff mm-hmm. um, or something really big and powerful um, and I want it to be ninth level because bear in mind we've got things like prismatic wall which mm-hmm. is the best control spell in the game nothing can get through it basically without dying yeah you got meet your swarm pretty dev- the, the bump from like the previous best uh, blast spell whatever it is chain lighting lightning or whatever so yeah. this is massive you've got 
obviously Wish, which is kind of its own beast. Yeah. And then you've got things like True Polymorph, which is pretty good. Um, Shape Change is is okay. Um, and then you've got things like Foresight, best buff in the game. Yeah. Massively powerful. So, so let's. That, what do we want? So for a necromancy spell that's so going to rival that. Are we are we purely going to talk about necromancy now, or are we going to just talk about ninth level spells that we'd like to see in the game? Well, I'm thinking necromancy for the minute. Okay, we'll come back to this. So interesting that you bring up necromancy spells because without getting into any areas of spoilers, Wesley and I had a conversation about this uh, the other night on the Literally phone. yesterday. Literally <laughs> yesterday about. Um, a, a spell that could raise a, a, a number of or a singular and, and actually do something yeah, decent. Dance Macabre did come up. Yeah, and because it's a good, it's a good base to start yeah. at. Um, so we have we have kind of had this conversation, but um, we didn't go to the extent of ninth level. We I think we went to like third. Yeah, we were staying. We were low staying down. low. Um, um, what are your thoughts, Wes? With large necromancy spells, I think it'd be an awesome idea, but it's just. Your uh, Joe, you mentioned like possibly summoning this huge, like I don't know, beast of flesh and limbs and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Or would you want to have a horde? I think it's ninth level. I think it's two options because if you look at the other ways you can create a horde, you got um, animate dead, yeah, and based on how much you tax your spells, you can get up to a decent number of dead. Especially if you and you. What, got, what then classifies you... a horde? What number? Well, I don't Are we know. saying over 10 double digits? Well, you've got... Um, and then you've got... Cre- was it Create Undead, which I think you can get a white from that, which mm-hmm. they can then have... I and they can two, create zombies. I think they can have two uh, zombies that they can create. Yeah. So if you kind of um, sort of decentralise the command of these zombies and you um, sort of go down that chain there... That you make pit- it an army. Yeah. You can ha- get quite a few. I think by, like, ninth level, you can probably have, like, 50 or something under your control if you really max it out and spend all your... But if your that's ta- what you are... Like, if, if you build a character that is solely good at that one thing, absolutely, and yes. And you're, you're taxing yourself by basically spending all your spell slots every day to maintain control of these... Uh, undead. Un- undead. Now, I think for ninth level, we just need to really pump it up because, yeah, that sounds really powerful, but, you know... Uh, a equally say like a meteor swarm or a you know a really good bunch of well placed fireballs. It's just going to knock out loads of those. Or let's not forget turn undead. Yeah, yeah. You've it's gonna it could rend your now, whole board. I think we useless. should. I think we should have some sort of spell that allows you to turn. I think you should have to kill whatever you're fighting first, mm. right? Maybe the spell can actually do a bunch of damage as well, a bit like finger of death. And then if it kills it, it raises it. It's my favourite spell, that yeah. one. But don't like don't have it um, restricted to like humanoids or anything like that. Mm. I think you should be able to do it to basically anything, and it should be a saving throw. So, for instance, you kill it with this spell, or you can cast it on something that's dead after the fact. Mm. Um, and then if you if it fails its save or whatever, I don't know. If See, you I was, it, it would raise. So, but I think you should be able to do it with anything. So I was thinking more about having the option of creating um, a large amount of smaller creatures like zombies mm-hmm. or skeletons or creating one large creature like a zombie giant. See, that that to me personally is a lot more interesting. So possibly you could have it as a two-part thing as you could summon a horde and you could use the horde or you can turn it into a fleshy enigma which moves. So I'm thinking less fleshy enigma, more zombie giant. Well, or zombie dragon. I mean, yeah, but that's just not that's not ninth level powerful. Yeah, that's just not scary. Even though. a zombie dragon, I don't think is that is powerful enough for ninth level. Okay. Because you can the, the stuff you can do at ninth level is just is zombie mad. the holder. 
you know um i think yeah you should be able to do stuff like that i think mm. um i think you should because the if you're a necromancer and you have the subclass you can have that thing where you can take anything pretty much any undead under your control it's an intelligence save and it has to re-roll every time or whatever now there's a really strong combination i think the most powerful undead creature you could get that comes under that um type is i think it's like a mummy lord mm-hmm. but you have to like the, the combo is to feeble mind it to like one intelligence and, so then, that, take and then it over. and then take it over so then it stays that way yeah and you can maintain control of it like forever as long as you keep See, the, the only problem I have with these is that they they don't this feel is, like you can just take a spell. They feel like builds. This is the problem because necromancy. I feel like there's just too much effort mm. for the reward. Mm-hmm. So I want this ninth level spell to be a lot of reward for not too much effort in in the spell because it's ninth level. You could just take this spell and call yourself a necromancer. Well, yeah, but I want it to be like, for instance, you can. I want, basically, I like the idea of anything you kill, you can raise as your own. Yeah. Whether it be an astral dreadnought or a beholder or oh whatever. Oh my god, no, that's, that's but, ridiculous. I mean, it's but we're cool. talking ninth level, I know, And I think there it's... would be certain debuffs to it. Like, obviously, okay, it's going to be undead. Yeah. So there are lots of things that affect undead worse, like smites, turn undead, etc. Yeah. So it's still going to be vulnerable to all that stuff, but it will retain a lot of its own powers. And I think there could be certain aspects to it that. Um, you know, obviously, it then lives forever, essentially, as an undead. Um, and I think that would be a cool way, because it's just like the capstone. Of, at this point, you have a large, quite a large army of undead stuff running about, if you're a necromancer, if that's your... Thing. Or shambling. Yeah. But this should be, um, you know, a real capstone. Because I'm thinking about this. Ninth level, I can just constantly cast Simulacrum with Wish. I can create myself over and over and over again with my spell slots. Now, yeah. fair in mind, you cast them once and they're gone. But I can do this every day. Just every single day I can cast this spell. So, if and I'm more powerful, or maybe not as powerful as an Astral Dreadnought, but if I create ten of me, then I, you I are. probably am. Yeah, so at 20th level. I don't think it's that broken to be able to d- take control of one or to take... I like the idea that you could even turn... If you kill, like, a um, Demon Lord, he's now your undead Demon Lord. Yeah. You know... See, this is the thing. When you get to this level, when you get to this t- top tier of play, you're expecting it to be a bit broken anyway. And, and I you think, are essentially a god, let's be honest. Yeah, well, we've, we've had this conversation so many times. The game does break at higher levels, so fuck it, let's break it more. Yeah, I I like that. I like that idea. Okay. And uh, I think we should come back to this with some more ones, like a really good conjuration ninth level spell. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there is one... Here's some homework then. Go away, think about it. Ninth level spells for each school of magic. I don't know. I haven't looked. I mean, is Prismatic Balls probably conjuring? No, it's Abjuration. Abjuration. I don't know if there is a really good one. Is there a good ninth level transmutation spell? True polymorph, I guess. A gate is conjuration, but gate sucks. <laughs> so. I think it's, I'll be honest. I've never really looked at the higher level spells because I never get there. Well, yeah, well, this is the thing. No one really. We were saying earlier, no one, or last episode, no one really gets past no. fifth to ninth level. We need to pump up the 8th level spells because they also kind of they meh. also suck yeah. they suck you've got maze so meh mind this, blank these always interest me in the regard of like roleplay of possibly having like an item which can cast one of these spells once so it's mm-hmm. this amazing item luck blade has wish in it yeah but it's a single cast wish, mm. wish is like the crazy one though because well, you yeah. can do anything I like the idea that you have a a um like a scroll that you don't have to do, even if you don't have the spell slot to read it, 
you don't have to do the Arcana check. You just like, use like, it. You use it, and it has like a meter swarm in it. That'd be cool. Like, but it's gonna be that item that you just never use because you're like, it's just or, not bad enough right? to use. You it. find you find a dead wizard with a, a spell storing ring on it, and it's got a nine level spell in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah One so, off nine yeah, level spell. Ah, oh, that's a better way to do it. So you can just yeah, cast it for just free. Just cast it because it uses that wizard's. Stats basically, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. So stuff. you can cast, yeah, one go mm. of um. Of I, Meteor Swarm. I'd like, I'd, I think Meteor Swarm because it's just it look the <laughs> it visuals. Like, <laughs> it's like Thanos pulling it down from the moon. Yes, yeah, yeah. that would be amazing. Well, okay, I tell you what, if you've got any ninth level spells that you think, well, this 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 needs to be fixed this way, tell us. Uh, we are we speak common on Twitter. We're we speak common at hotmail If you want to email us, and as ever, if you see something on Reddit, it's probably me because we don't have fanboys. Talking yet. about demons and stuff, a cooler one would okay. actually be to have like literally a really low level like level 3 party or whatever come across this ring yeah. and it's got a gate spell in it so you can just open a gate to, to the somewhere. abyss or wherever you like you know and uh, good plot you just have that power now and now maybe there are, con- there are cults and everything chasing after you because they want that that power that power to yeah. create a gate I like it I like it I like it a lot it's very cool um Wesley, thank you for randomly joining us for not long enough at all. Not really. No. Um, we will. Uh, we need to get you on at some point. I think the plan eventually is to have every member of our group on at some point. We've had Phoebe on. Um, I mean, you've kind of been on, but we'll get you back. We'll um, have a proper, you know, yeah. like a full on. I've been saying for a long time thing. that once, um, once James and I have actually done this duo DM thing, we'll we'll get on together and, and talk about it. So it's really cool. It will happen at some point. Um, you need a whole. You need something dedicated to that because seeing you both DM in the same game is the most amazing <laughs> we, we, thing. We spoke about it earlier. Uh, what Joe? Joey loved it. What were your thoughts just before we go? I'm sure I was just looking between you and I was like, oh, you know, yeah, okay. <laughs> like uh, it was. It was amazing. I loved it when it just swapped back and forth. It's only gonna get better and more complicated. Um, we've put so much work into it. We're just waiting to get to the point where it can actually kick in properly. Oh, it's so uh, cool. Okay, I think we're going to end it there, and we will be back as ever next week with more fun and games. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Wesley. Um, tweet us stuff. Yeah, please do. Cool. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you like the podcast, do us a favor: leave us a like or review on your platform of choice, and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at We Speak Common or through the email wespeakcommon at hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.